Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, Houseplants or whatever, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Michael's producing today, so when you call, he'll answer the phone. He just needs your first name, and it'll get you up on the list. And, Mr. Kelly, you ready? For what? Mardi Gras Parade. (laughs) Do I have to do this? (laughs) No, you don't want to see that. So I well, thank it. you. Sure. Well, we're that today. Since, uh, you know, we spent 11 years living in Sular, which yeah. was insane. That was before they moved the parade down on Broadway. But mm-hmm. still, it was totally crazy. But uh, since the parade starts at 11, I drove by Sular, and they got all the g- giant concrete barriers out all over mm-hmm. the place and everything else. But, but Johnny on the spots? I didn't see Or them. is it Johnny's on the spot? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So you mentioned, you said your car, it said it was 27. Yeah. My car, which is parked right outside here, it says it's 27 inside, but 23 outside. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, you got a fancy car. I do. Mine's just on the inside only. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's it's cold, put it that way. Yeah. And it, Mardi Gras is going to be, I hope the kids, and most of them are young people that go sure. to that, I think. I hope they warm up. You know how people don't like to dress warm when they're, you know, ah, okay, yeah, they're going to get down there and it's going to be cold. So and it's going to be slippery on the north side of the buildings and stuff like that. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. So. Uh, I feel for the, the police officers, firefighters, EMS crews that have to work that because it can't be fun for them. Right. I anyway. wouldn't think so. Well, good catch with the beads. Well, thanks. I have a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, it is Saturday morning. We get together and we have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard. How about your side yard where that downspout's just, oh, now that the snow's starting to melt off the, or sleet or whatever off the roof, it's really soggy over there. How about a specialty garden space? You're thinking about an herb garden or something? A taste of the tropics. Your houseplant's doing well. What is potting mix? How do you improve your soil? Should you improve your soil? Should you care? How about pruning and shearing and everything else this time of year? Should you be doing that to your deciduous plants or to your evergreens? Is there bugs and diseases out there you need to be concerned with? Do they survive the wintertime as well? Well, they use the information I'll share with you, and hopefully it will help solidify your options and, but the final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home. 
As I said before, Michael is producing, so when you call, he will answer the phone. By the way, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like. And I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Today after the show, I'm headed up to Florissant. And, uh, well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. As I stepped out the door, yikes, it is was so slippery this morning. I wanted to get an early start because my car was probably, you know, buried in ice more or less. Or, you know, not really buried. But uh, anyway, as I s- stepped onto the ice, oh, but everywhere was just slippery. And uh, so I headed out, finally got all the wind. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Shield scraped off and everything else and uh, headed towards KMOX. And uh, as I pulled up, there was a St. Louis flag on the north side of this building waving at the sunrise, which was coming up. Parking meters on the west side of the building, some had (laughs) bike lock spots. And there was one reserved for a handicapped person. There was a U.S. flag and a Missouri state flag closer to the building. And uh, there was a statue dedicated to the police officers who have given their lives in the line of duty. Ornamental grasses were really showing their winter tans. Deciduous trees, street and in the planting areas. Oh, they were wondering, when is winter going to be over? This is getting a little bit boring. And boxwood with their winter tones, though evergreen, but still with a tan of a little bit of tan browning to it. Uh, there's metal benches there that offer you a nice, chilly place to sit down if you want to. The sheriff's vans, they warn prisoners aboard, stay back 500 feet. Well, this is hopefully the last day of this icy scenario. As the sun came out, I was thinking, oh, good grief, thank goodness. And bring on spring. I'm ready for it. And where was I today? I was at Market and Tucker, and that's the Civil Courts building. So 
all kinds of stuff going down downtown. I was really kind of surprised. But uh, as I drove through Soulard on Gravoy or by Soulard, it was kind of surprising. You know, they were still barricading the streets and everything, but uh, there were still some people starting to head in that direction. And if you're headed there, just realize you can't get in, so you're going to have to park and plan on walking a great distance or take a bus or something like that. I don't know how you how you're going to do it. But when we used to live in Soulard, we, if we wanted to go someplace during the parade day, we'd have to park on the other side of 55 and then walk to our car so we could go someplace. But oh, those days are over since we live in South City now. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. How's the ice impacting your plant materials? Well, why don't you give a call and we'll see what's going on. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. like a Mardi Gras parade music. And uh, if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments about how this ice is impacting your landscape, your lawn, or anything else, or maybe that's a de-icer that you put out, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And should you be walking across your lawn when it's frozen like this, uh, you could really do some damage. So watch out and take and be careful, too, because if you're not on the lawn, then you could be on sidewalks or pavement or thing like things like that. And as you probably know, it is extremely slippery. Let's head over to Ted's yard now. Hi, Ted. Hey, Mike. How are you this morning? Very good. Hey, what is the best technique to cut back ornamental grasses? Personally, it, you know, all, it's going to depend upon which variety because some of them are larger than others. But I like you know, to just put a bungee cord around them and then use a hedge trimmer and just use, you know, cut them off. Depending upon the variety would determine how high you're going to cut them off. But realize the majority of the ornamental grasses are clump growers. So everything that you cut off, all those stems and everything else, are dysfunctional now. They're not going to produce any new growth coming out of that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Spot, it's going to be on the perimeter. And as time goes on, some of the varieties like the, you know, the maiden grass and things like that, the center core will have no blades coming out at all. And ultimately, as time passes, you're going to have to probably dig it up, chop out the center to get rid of it, and then replant the perimeter because that's where the new growth is going to come from. Okay. Wonderful. I appreciate your help. Sure. My pleasure. Appreciate your show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. As you know, it's not my show. It's your show. If you weren't there, I would not be here. And other things you need to be thinking about this time of year, too, is, uh, you know, doing some fertilizing. Well, I don't know about fertilizing on too many different things, but uh, some things are ferocious this time of year. And some of the cool season weeds, uh, like uh, the henbit, the chickweed, the annual bluegrass, and several others are just, I mean, they don't care if it's icy. They don't care if it's freezing cold. They don't care about anything because they're an annual weed. They germinated last August. They've been growing fine. The only thing that kills them off or makes them disappear is warm weather. So they don't have to worry about the warm weather yet. But once they are killed off, let's say, by warm weather, They've been dropping seed, and that's why every year they come back and come back and come back. So, in other words, they self-seed, perpetuate themselves. And this is something that's really it's a, really a nightmare and a heartache. And uh, that's why pre-emergent control is the best thing you can do. And for the annual cool season weeds that are growing right now, you would be putting your pre-emergent down this upcoming mid to late August. So that would be the best thing to do. Also, watch out. When you do fertilize, the type of fertilizer, and you know I always talk about soil testing and everything else, if the fertilizer has too much nitrogen, then it's going to be problematic because that can retard root growth. So even though nitrogen only stays in the ground for a few days, and then it becomes a gas and goes up into the atmosphere and then comes back down when there's lightning strikes, but consequently too much nitrogen can cause problems for woody plant material. So just keep that in mind. Well, let's head over to Barb's yard. Barb, how are you today? <laughs> I'm just fine. I have a poor connection here. Uh, a couple quick questions. Uh, on burning bushes, is it too late to cut them back, say, six, eight inches? No, not at all. We're talking about, uh, you know, the ones that are des- deciduous and, er- and everything else that turn bright red in the fall? Correct. Yeah, Correct. no. Basically, with anything that's deciduous, as long as it's not a spring flowering one, you can prune it until the new growth begins. So you've got plenty of time. Now, you're not going to go out and do it today probably, 
But uh, uh, no, I don't know. think. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did, I was going to say just be really careful because there are still some really slippery spots. Yes, I know. Uh, on the ponytail pump, how much water do they take? Very little. They, oh, oh, okay. They want to be. Been... They want to be way more on the dry side than on the moist side. So, oh, wait, okay. So wait until the potting mix shrinks away from the inside of the pot. And so you see an obvious gap, then wait for another week or two after that, and then water them. You're much better off to underwater rather than overwater. Overwater can cause trouble. I've been overwatering. What do you do with Christmas cactus after they're finished blooming? Uh, Just treat them like a regular houseplant. So in other words, they want a whole lot of sunlight and... uh, when the, just as the flower buds were forming in the future, that's when you want to go to your favorite garden center and get a Christmas, or, I mean a Christmas, a cactus <laughs> fertilizer and fertilize them through the bloom cycle. Then they don't need any fertilizing after that. And watch out with them, too. Don't overwater. So that's oh, okay. I think I've been probably overwatering yeah, more think- than anything here. If okay. They, yeah. If they look wrinkled, the the leaves look wrinkled and everything else, that means the root system's you know been impacted adversely, and that's why uh, the foliage is looking really wrinkled. Okay, I got a couple good sized ones, and I couldn't remember what do I what do I do the rest of the year with them. Yeah. Okay. Pretty okay. Easy. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah, they're great. Uh, I mean, they're they're wonderful as far as in bloom and everything else. So enjoy them. Okay. Thanks, Thank Barb. You. Sure. And now let's head from Barb's house over to Denise's. Hi, Denise. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I have a question. I had some oleander trees um, that I bought last year that I had around our pool. They're quite, they're probably about five feet tall. I brought them inside to our basement to get some good, decent light. I have not cut them back, and I want to know if it's too late to cut them back and what I should do. Well, they're, I mean, they're a tropical, so in other words, you, you're smart to bring them inside because they can't grow or live outside. But no, you can wait until right before you put them out to prune them back, or you can do it now. Just if you do it now, you're probably not going to get them outside for another probably one or two months because of the cold Correct. weather. Yeah. And uh, they can handle the weather all the way down to freezing. Anything below freezing could do some damage, but... Uh, and as far as the pruning goes, you can do it any time, really, any time through the growing season, everything else. I'm sure you're growing them oh, for far. the flowers. Yes, and they and they were great. They right. were great. And actually, you know, some of the leaves are dying off a little bit, but overall they're still obviously not flowering, but still look good. So how far back should I cut them back? I mean, they're a topiary tree. Okay. Um, so it, there's, you know, the there's the, you know, the... Um, I guess, a trunk, and then it has the ball of flowers on top. Right. You know, the foliage. Uh, probably I would not cut them back more than, I don't know how big the ball is, but I wouldn't cut I would, them back more than yeah. maybe two to three inches at the most. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. And also, I'm sure you realize that oleander, virtually in, in Southern California and other places, they use them as highway plantings and everything else. They really want to be an under, an underwatered situation, so be very careful as far as watering because you can do really do some damage to them. You mean too much? Too much water is not good. 
Right, right. And they, yeah, I, I water them about once a week, not a lot, but about once a week. Yeah, I would, you don't even have to do it that often, to be oh, honest with you. Okay, good. All right, okay. And then well, thank so, you so much. Sure, and then as soon as they start flowering, then go ahead and when you water, just you can use just an all-purpose generalized fertilizer, but do it at half-label rate every time you water. Okay, all right, good to know. All right. Well, I'm glad I can save them. They were great, and they are expensive, so it's nice that I can. <laughs> yes, they are, especially the to- them. Yeah, the topiaries yeah. are expensive. Yeah, but they they were definitely worth it. All right. So I'm glad I save them. All right. Well, thanks so much. Well, thanks, Denise. Anybody else has questions or concerns? Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Are your house plants just in general? The days are starting to get longer, and so consequently, they may start producing some new growth. Do not fertilize any kind of house plant until you start to see some new active growth. After that point, then you can fertilize them, but I always like to recommend just doing it half-label rate. And uh, so you're not, you know, just because you fertilize does not mean that you're going to have some new growth. So don't fertilize until you actually see the new growth. The plant's telling you, I could use some food because I'm producing some new growth. So consequently, this is what you need to do. And uh, other than, you know, just watch out as far as your house plants go. Keep them in as much bright light as you possibly can. Even some of the varieties that don't don't need the light can still do better when they're in the light, like the Diffenbachias or the corn plants or things like that, Dracaenas. The better the light, the you know, the better it is going to be for the plant material just kind of in general. And uh, don't repot your house plants until they really get really super pot bound in that particular pot. So in other words, you start to see the drainage holes in the bottom. You start to see some roots coming out. And then when you look at it or just feel the with your fingertip, the potting mix, just know that it's going to be, it feels like really thick and dense. And then when you repot them into a bigger pot, only do it into a pot that's one inch larger than the existing one and use potting mix, not potting soil. Potting mix is by far the best. It looks like we have a call from Al. Al, we're going to probably take a break and then talk to you as soon as we get back from the break. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got phone lines open, so if you got any questions, let's head over to Al's yard now. Hi, Al. Hi. Um, I have a, a lilac bush that we planted last spring. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It was it was pretty small, and we just let it grow all year. And I didn't touch it yet, and I don't want to touch it unless... I need to, 
do I give it another year of growth or do I do any pruning on it at all? No pruning at all for sure. And that's that would apply to anything, lilacs or spring bloomers. If you'd prune it now, then you'd have no opportunity or chance for flowering this year. So you probably shouldn't do any pruning to it for at least another couple years. You want to okay. sort of get the, the maximum amount of foliage that you can because the leaves are, make the chlorophyll the food, and that sends it down to the root system. That helps the plant get better established. All right. And then uh, how about a butterfly bush? Same thing? Well, butterfly bush, is this a brand new one as well? Yeah. Okay, so yes, the same thing with that. Now, that's a summer bloomer. You could prune it, but again, you want to leave... A, Anything relatively, as far as woody plants go, for the first three or four years, even up to five years, no pruning at all. So you can maximize the amount of leaves and help the root system and then the plant get it better established. And both those particular shrubs need a you know, really well-drained soil. So hopefully you got them in that kind of location. Yes. Great. All right. Thanks much. Certainly. My pleasure. And the nice thing about lilacs, too, is the majority of the plant material that we grow, woody plants, uh, really do not like an alkaline soil, in other words, lime. But lilac does like an alkaline soil. So as time goes on, you may end up taking a soil test around the lilac and then consequently finding out that the pH is a little bit low and being acidic. Then you might want to put some lime on it. But don't do it right now. Just leave it alone. Thanks, Al. All right. Thank you. Yep. And let's go from Al's yard over to George's yard. Hi, George. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, I'm getting uh, some uh, bare root uh, Colorado blue spruce from the Arbor Day Foundation. Mm-hmm. Will they make it here in pots, or like a large container? Yes. Patio? I wouldn't start off in a large container. Since they're bare root, I'd start off with a relatively small pot. Like right. even the you know black plastic nursery pot six or eight inches, and use a potting mix, you know, and probably I'd mix since they're Colorado spruces. I'd probably mix uh, maybe twenty twenty five percent of the of uh, the uh, the amount of soil or potting mix that you're going to put into that pot. Mix some pea gravel in that to really help with the drainage, and then in the winter time. Probably the best thing to do is dig a hole in, you know, in a, a larger pot or in a garden space or something like that and just drop the pots down into the ground for the wintertime. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if they would make it, you know, their winters and summers are completely different than they are in Colorado. So right. I didn't know if they would make it here or not. Well, you're, I mean, you're, you're being really daring to, to try to do it from a bare root circumstance. But, yeah. uh you know, I mean, there are That's Colorado spruces here growing, and there's, you know, some that if they're not planted in a good location, then uh, a lot of times they go downhill pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. in the pots, they, you should be get, okay. They get pretty good size, don't they? Well, ultimately, they, but yeah. starting off, I don't know how old you are, but uh, probably 50 <laughs> or 60 years from now, <laughs> that'll be pretty good size. But in a container, it would kind of keep its. Uh, smaller size, I guess, as oh, if you, as abs- to planting it in the ground. Right, exactly. Yep. I mean, it's almost like bonsaiing, like the Japanese do. You control the size by the size of the pot that it's in. And, I got you. I mean, it can get to the point where it's you know it's restricting the growth too much, and then you you'd have to take it out. But I grow a lot of different evergreens through the years in pots and in containers. 
when we lived in Soulard, we only had a courtyard, so I had to grow them that way. And when we moved to South City, I still grow several of them uh, in pots. And just for a few years, five or six, seven, eight years, whatever. And then I finally just kind of sit them out in the alley and let somebody have them. <laughs> you just donated them. Exactly. And I got one more question. Um, every year I put out crab grass preventer in spring, you know, with right. forsythia. And inevitably, you're going to get some more. You know, you can't control it completely. Right. And I take into uh, digging and pulling, like, before it goes to seed. Is that a pretty good strategy? Or yeah. Or am I wasting my time or what? No, no. I mean, if you don't mind doing it, and it's, I mean, it's certainly athletic. But, uh, no, I mean, that's a good way to get rid of it. If, you know, you're controlling probably the majority of it, uh, you know, but... There's still going to be some, like you said, there's little spots where you weren't going to get the, you know, the herbicide over that in individual, let's say, location. And to dig it up, there's nothing wrong with doing that at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was wasting my time or not because it does spread from seed, right? It doesn't spread from right. underground roots or rhizomes or anything right. like that. Right. It it's a warm season annual weed, so consequently... It's seed, and, you know, it just grows until it gets cold, but so the whole growing process, it's producing seed and dropping the seed. So that's where the trouble comes in. I got you. Okay. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. Thanks, George. And now let's head over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Hi there, Mike. Hi. Thank you for being there for us amateur gardeners <laughs> who need help. <laughs> And, Mike, I have four knockout roses that have been pretty sick because of neglect in the past, and uh, I've nursed them back to health. But I'd like to know, when is the best time to cut them back and uh, fertilize them? Uh, Basically, don't start fertilizing yet. Wait until you start to see some active growth. But pruning can be done any time before the new growth begins. Oh, Okay. So you've got you know plenty of opportunity you know when the weather's better or anything else, and it's difficult to say when the new growth should begin because it's all temperature related, and it's not just air temperatures; it's temperature of the soil right in that location. So if it's on the south side of the house, it's going to warm up faster than if they're on the north side of the house. Okay, all right. And then yeah, you, and then use rose food. Don't use just general fertilizer. Okay. All right. Do they take less fertilizer than regular rose bushes? Uh, for the, pretty much so, but still they're going to, because they're so huge, they still need a lot of food. It's just they don't need it quite as intense as like the hybrid teas, graniflora, floribundas, or, I mean, even the miniature roses need percentage-wise quite a bit of food just because of their just general genetics. And these guys are, you know, shrubs, so they don't need quite as much. I see. Okay. Well, that's a big help. I'd hate to lose them again, and they're doing so well. (laughs) Great. So I will get out there and uh, do some pruning when the ground uh, temperature allows. Yes. So you got plenty of time. Make sure you get the pruning done before the new growth begins. Ah, okay. I I would not have known that. Yeah, and I don't know That's why you're there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how big they are, but I wouldn't cut more than like 20... 20 to 25 percent off the you know of of the overall size so if they're okay. three feet high don't cut more than uh six to eight to ten inches off that's just exactly how tall they are about three feet all right so cut you know eight to ten inches at the most 
Okay. Well, that's a big help, Mike. Thank you sure, very my, much. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And Bye-bye. also this time of year is a time of year if you are growing grapes that you should be pruning your grapes. And any kind of raspberries and things like that, realize that this is the time of year when you cut the canes back. And as soon as the ground thaws, which uh, may be really soon, depending upon I saw the temperatures for the next week or so, this is the time of year if you have any kind of fruit trees at all uh, that you should be fertilizing. And that's through deep root feeding. That's through augering holes around the tree, starting out half the distance from the trunk to the extension of the branches, and then auger a hole six inches deep, then move and just do concentric circles all the way around. It says each hole that you dig is about any place between one, uh, one foot and 15, 16, 18 inches or something like that. And then the next row out was going to be two feet out. So go just slightly beyond the drip line of the tree because that's where the you know feeder roots are there. And what you're doing, then you're going to backfill these holes with compost. So you're feeding the soil, then the soil will feed the tree as opposed to trying to feed the the tree just in general, because feeding things is great, but if your soil is not healthy in the first place, then it's not going to really be all that you know good for the plant material, just the overall health, being able to withstand the crazy weather and everything else that we're having right now. So if you have any questions or concerns, we got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Guess what, folks? If you live in an area where deer are problematic, spring is, whoa, the female deer really need a lot of extra food, consequently because they may be pregnant. And they can eat everything from azaleas, even the green giant azalea. No, that's not azalea. That is arborvitae. Green giant arborvitae, regular arborvitae, azaleas, rhododendrons, chestnut trees, pecan trees, all types of fruit trees, all kinds of different stuff. We had a couple of calls last week, too, and the the folks were a little bit concerned that uh, some of the trees that they had were being damaged by the males, which, you know, rubbing. That's they're marking the territory, but also realize that rabbits do a lot of bark chewing near the ground of the of the trees. So realize that that is could be a circumstance. So it's not always going to be a deer problem. Rabbits can do some major damage to the plant material as well, the woody plant material. Let's head over to Jim's yard now. Hi, Jim. Uh, yeah, I'm calling about uh, hydrangea. Uh-huh. Uh, they had the deer eat them back uh, sometime ago, five, six years ago, and they have not come back. Is that Pretty much a dead plant, or so they, there's no growth at all. There's the growth, you know, leaves and all, but no blooms. Okay, so it may be depending upon what variety it is. It could be certain certain plant materials, longevity wise, as far as producing flowers. You know, is going to be somewhat limited. So I don't know how old these are. Well, they're probably like 15, 20 years old. Oh yeah, then they're probably past their prime. So it's time to, you know, if you don't, if you want to just have the foliage, that's fine. But you're, regardless of what you do, whether you try to fertilize them or anything else, you're not going to force them to flower. So it's going to, you know, take probably take a uh, chance if you want the flowers to head out to your favorite garden center in another 
month or so, and they should have the hydrangeas depending upon the variety that you want. Oh, okay. Yeah, the deer ate them down to the ground. And, you know, I tried to protect them, but it didn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, and just realize that there's all kinds of different, you know, hydrangeas to everything from the oak leaf hydrangea to the sort of continuous blooming ones to the ones that only bloom very er relatively early in the spring. Some will have blue color that you have to continue to change the soil chemistry with some sulfur and things like that to make sure that they're going to be the blues. So just maybe do a little bit of research and figure out exactly which one you want. Yeah, these were uh, like a blue-purple. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, what type are you saying are to last longest or live the most? I didn't understand what the first part of that was. What kind did you say was uh, kind of the best or last the longest? Uh, there's continuous blowing ones. So, I mean, that's a relatively new variety that's, you know, going to be, you know, again, when you go to the garden center and tell them you want a continuous blooming one, they will bloom pretty much through the entire summertime. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. And now let's head over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. I have a question about raising tomatoes and pulling suckers. It's... I. I hear people talking about, I've heard you talk about cutting foliage off of uh, plants and bushes, and it's the leaves that actually produce the food for the plant. Right. So I thought, well, then should I be pulling the suckers off of the tomato plants because <laughs> they'd be producing leaves? Well, it just depends upon which variety of tomato you're talking about. Some of them you don't need to. You don't really need to do it to any of them. It's just some people like to kind of control the size and the growth because some of them will just keep going and going and going. Now, some of them are just, you know, they virtually like the Roma tomato. That only produces one series of tomatoes, and then it dies. So it depends upon the variety, if they're cherry tomatoes or if they're better boy, you know, better girl or whatever it is. That's going to determine if you need to prune them, but you really don't have to. I mean, I've been in people's yards where they're, I mean, they're massive and huge, and there's, there's plenty of tomatoes all over the place. And uh, so it's not something you need to do. It's usually people that just want to have the size a little bit more controllable. Yeah, I'd rather not uh, pull the suckers on them. I'd rather just go ahead and grow. Right. Very good. I'll do that. I thank you, sir. Sure. My pleasure. And, again, tomato food, that's what you want to fertilize with and uh that's there's fertilizers specifically for certain plant materials like roses, tomatoes, blah blah blah, cactus, and uh, they're formulated for a reason towards that plant material. So get tomato food for them. Thanks, Randy. And now let's head over to Eve's yard. Hi, Eve. Hi. I I want to ask you a question about the cone flowers. I mean, they're all you know dead, and they're you know. They're high. Now, do I just cut them off now, or do I pull them, or what do I do so they bloom again? Yeah, don't, you know, don't pull them up because you can pull up the root system, and that virtually eliminates the plant. You okay. can leave them as they are. You can, what I have, I have some along our garage between the garage and the alley. And usually in late fall or so or early spring, I go ahead and you'll notice where the flower was. There's right. 
I mean, there's lots of little seeds. So I don't know if you want just, you know, to cut those, the top part of where the flower was off and then cut the stem off. And when you cut the stem, if you're just cutting the stem, whether you're cutting the flower head off or not, cut it down to about, uh, oh, four to five inches. So you, from the ground, in other words, from the ground, you just cut that right that brown stem that died right. off about exactly. four inches from the ground. Yeah, you. I mean, you could get it closer if you wanted to, but usually four inches is adequate. And uh, there, sh- there may be even some foliage, depending upon the location of where they're growing, that actually stay pretty green through the entire wintertime. Now, that's not oh. necessarily going to be always in every case and every situation, but that might be the situation of what uh, you, you've experienced. Well, thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, the coneflowers, the sunflower family, I think, are just absolutely spectacular. And uh, the coneflowers are one of my favorites. And the only thing that I might say that to the detriment of them is they are a little bit aggressive as time goes on as far as producing more and more and more, you know, plants. But that's great. So, but, uh, yeah, black-eyed Susans, the coneflowers and other things like that, you can virtually have some sunflower family members starting to bloom in uh, probably late April, early May, all and then a different variety all the way through the entire summertime, all the way up until late fall. When that's when the coneflowers finally finish. So if you have any questions or concerns about your landscape or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-925. 1120. And realize that deer not only damage plants in the spring, but they can do some damage during the wintertime too, from October to December. And that's the rooting. That's when the bucks rub on the trees and tear the bark off and anything. So if you have anything that, you know, any bark on any branches or anything else that's frayed, go out there with a razor blade knife or a pair of pruners that's really sharp and then consequently. You know, cut any kind of frayed stuff off because that's just a situation that could be to the detriment of the plant material. So we've got another hour of the Garden Hotline. So if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. See you after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, it is the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trowel Hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly. But right now, you can give a call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, and Michael is producing today, he will be answering the phone. And Brian, how slippery was it for you, this morning. This morning was fine. Uh, I did not come in on Thursday. I worked from home because the ice and the mainly sleet had created really slick conditions on the walk and also on the driveway. And there were hardly any cars on our road. I don't think it, you know, there's much traffic at all. And it wasn't just that it was icy, but it was so slick. You right. could have skated on it. Right. Uh, and then when we got the sleet on Thursday, it actually helped. Because it created kind of, uh, it, it made it rough. Texture. A little texture, and then you could walk and drive on it a little better, so I was able to get out Friday. But ah. it was it was treacherous there on Thursday. Wow. And we had a little thunder as well with the sleet. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, right around noon, you could hear the, the thunder, and then it started really coming down. Gee, so man. crazy. How about you? Uh, it was pretty dangerous. Yeah. I mean, just 
we didn't really go out too much. But, I mean, watching the cars going up and down mm-hmm. the street, it was like, oh, my yeah. goodness gracious. <laughs> I drove through Soulard a little bit yesterday, oh, and most of those streets were still ice-covered. Right. And so those of you heading down there, it's going to be a, an interesting walk, a slide skate around Mardi Gras <laughs> today. So really be careful Everybody, if you're heading down yes. there, yes. All right. Thanks, Brian. You bet. Yes, and thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs and all arounds for the annuals, for the bulbs. Brian had said earlier that his daffodils are really looking good. And as I told him, there's a house across the street from us that uh, the daffodils are on the south side of the house, pretty close to the base of the house. And it's a brick house, and it creates, generates a lot of heat. So her flowers... Her daffodils are not only showing foliage, they're showing the flower buds. And how about edibles, the cool season vegetables and things like that? Ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinion is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. And across the big board is Michael. He's producing today, so when you call, he'll be answering the phone. And during the weekend, weekends, I do spend time doing landscape consulting where I can come to your home and discuss what's going on, the list that you have, and also I'll keep my eyes open for anything that might be impacting the aesthetics or problem-solving uh, circumstance in your landscape. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's where my email address and phone number is listed. Today, after the show, I'm headed up to Florissant. And uh, you can contact me and do a walk and talk. I'll share 40-plus years of experience related to your landscape. So that's plants, caring, maintenance, and everything else. Tip of the trial, special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to all all those, the road crews who are putting salt out and getting the streets at least as good as they possibly can as far as the major streets. And it really makes a huge difference. I mean, driving, you know, on the residential areas, it's like Brian was talking about. You almost needed skates on your car to go down some of these areas. But once you got to the major streets and stuff, they were really pretty clean. And, you know, that was a sigh of relief for me this morning because I even got up extra early because I thought – this is going to be just a nightmare. We don't live that far off, you know, Gravoy, a couple blocks, but still, I thought getting down there, I just, you know, you wonder, am I going to make it past this really slippery part? Because you can tell by the reflection of the streetlights and everything else what's the slickest part. So thanks to everybody that works through the road crews, whether the states or a city or whatever it happens to be for making our streets as viable as they possibly can. As I sit and look out the window here, we're right behind the Soldiers Memorial. And most of the streets around here look pretty, you know, pretty clean. And the, and the temperature may not be super warm as far as above freezing, but the sunlight's making it so a lot of the ice is melting away. So thank goodness. And I hope this is the last ice we have for this year. I mean, it just got a little bit boring. So let's take a call or two before we take a break. Let's go over to Kathy's yard. Hi, Kathy. Hi there. How are you doing? Very good. Um, I have a question. My husband and I, um, 
live in Warren County, Missouri. Um, we're on 10 acres um, of heavily cedared ground. Um, and we moved there in July, and we're, we, we put some of our fruit trees in in the in the fall and our blackberry bushes um but as far as a garden goes our ground is heavy clay it's really acidic because of the cedars it's difficult to till and so he and i were kicking around the idea of using raised beds for our garden for our peppers and our tomatoes and maybe some potatoes and some beans and some squash how tall would those beds need to be in order to have enough enriched soil inside them that the vegetables would really flourish? Is that recommended? Is it not recommended? I We just, we really don't know. Well, first of all, let me address address the cedars in your circumstance. Those are the native junipers. And so, so consequently, they create, if you're trying to grow any kind of apples or crab apples or anything like that, the apples and the cedars together create a disease called cedar apple rust. So watch out for that stuff. So look, you know, in relationship to what kind of fruit trees you're putting in, go online and check out cedar apple rust and see what, you know, some of the varieties that you should stay away from. And as far as the raised beds go, if you probably, I would get a soil test done in the area where you're going to be doing it because you're going to be mixing the raised bed mix stuff in with or with the you know whatever topsoils or compost or the blends or whatever with the existing soil. You're just not going to pile it up on top of it. So find out exactly what the you know the chemistry of the existing soil is, the pH, everything else. If there's high levels of besides you said you know with the, the junipers or cedars or whatever that you thought it was going to be fairly acidic but find out exactly what you got before you start doing too much and then as far as how high the beds should be raised you know probably maybe 6 or 8 inches should be adequate but you're going to churn up the soil the existing soil underneath and then you're going to blend in the new stuff that you're bringing in with the existing soil okay Okay, yeah, the apple trees that we bought, we did talk to the um, conservation agent for our area, and he recommended the Liberties and the Empires to avoid the cedar apple rust. Okay. Um, and also the powdery mildew and a couple of other diseases. So the, the apple trees, I feel like if the deer will leave them alone, um, <laughs> <laughs> might, I might get some apples someday. Right. Um but, like, as far as my husband said, we really need to raise the beds. He said not only will it kind of help protect them from the bunnies, you know, but also, you know, he said we got to figure out how to get, you know, better soil and contain it. Right. Because we're also kind of hilly. Right. So, I mean, basically, like I said, you're going to have to, you know, decide where you want the bed spaces and then 8 to 10 inches higher than or 12 inches higher than the surrounding ground, but you're going to churn that soil that's on the inside of the raised bed area before you mix in the new stuff. Okay. Cool. Thank you for your help. I truly appreciate that. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, and Jim and Bob will be back after these messages to talk to you. The St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
Yes, folks, phone line open. Not just one. We've got a couple. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Appreciate your show. Sure. Um, We have 20 boxwoods that line our sidewalk, and I was wanting to know when we can trim them back and how much should we take off when we do it. Uh, basically, you don't want to take off a whole lot of with the boxwood because if you if you look in the center of them, you know that there's not foliage down in there because it's just too shaded. So uh, a couple inches would probably be adequate, and you can do that. Maybe it's still we've got some colder weather. I'd probably wait for maybe a couple more weeks and then prune them before any kind of new growth begins. Okay, and then do we have to do those by hand, or could can we use an electric? hedge trimmer a lot of people use the you know the hedge trimmers so it's just i mean it's really personal choice to prune them by hand and especially with the number that you have it's it's a little bit difficult to be honest with you to make it so it doesn't look really awkward so you would think it'd be the other way around but the you want it kind of almost like a green wall and consequently it's much easier to do with a hedge pruner than it is with a hand pruner Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And let's head from Jim's yard over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, I got uh, some fruit trees, is that, and I want to know when to start spraying them with dormant oil. Uh, It's a little bit early, but uh, probably maybe within the next week or so, do it at that time. The reason why I'm saying it's early because we just don't know, you know, how goofy the weather is going to be, but... uh, this is, uh, you know, it may be, mm, you get it, get it done relatively soon, let's put it that way. Okay. And then after uh, that, uh, there's a fruit tree spray that you can put on those. When do you actually do that? Uh, you, it just, probably if that's, you know, just a general insecticide spray, if you don't actually see insects being problematic, then I wouldn't just do it as a preventative. The Basically, the dormant oil spray, what that does is suffocate any kind of eggs and things like that. And you want to make sure that you do the dormant oil spray before any kind of new growth, actually, you know, the buds start opening or anything else. Yeah, I, I don't want to spray anything on there that when the, it starts blooming since I have bees and uh, oh. I just don't want to take and endanger them. Right. So I would, you know, I would kind of stay away from just a, a general insecticide and use the semi-dormant or dormant oil sprays as a better way to go. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Speaking of the gentleman was asking about hedge pruners and things like that, uh, make sure that when you're doing any kind of pruning, whether it's with a hand pruner, whether it's with your mower, whether it's with a hedge pruner or anything else, that you keep the blades as sharp as possible, and you don't really know how to do that, well, take it, go online, find a local place that can sharpen these things because if the blades are not sharpened, then consequently when you make the cuts, then you could do some fraying of what's, you know, the stems that are being cut, and then that can lead to more problems than what you could imagine. So if that fraying, it's a better chance for diseases, insects, and health problems all and really with the mower, too. So the cool season lawns, the bluegrasses and fescues and things like that, uh, as soon as this, you know, 
things kind of, let's say, lighten up a little bit weather-wise, you may have to do some cutting. And this time of year, you want to cut your fescues and bluegrasses to about uh, four inches maximum. Zoysia, you don't need to do any kind of cutting yet. But still, whenever you mow your lawn, just in general, you should probably keep the clippings that when you're mowing uh, at about an inch maximum because it's just for the overall health of your lawn because lawns are very difficult to um, to grow here. There's that We're in that transition zone where the south, in other words, zoysia meets the north, bees, fescues and bluegrasses. So to be in that combination, some years some of them are going to do much better than other ones. Also, uh, your spring flowering bulbs. As soon as you start to see the foliage coming up, like Brian Kelly was talking about earlier, or I'm starting to see it too, uh, start fertilizing them. And so what you want to do is just a general fertilizer. I do, Generally, I do not like to use one that's the same numbers all the way across. So triple 12 or something like that. I prefer something like 1055 because the last two numbers, the phosphorus and potassium, have a persistency of staying in the soil for a really long time. So consequently, as soon as the foliage of your crocus or your daffodils or your snowdrops or whatever it happens to be start coming up and being obvious, fertilize them with a fertilizer, but go at half label rate, then fertilize them all the way up till the when they're in bloom and then one more time after they finish flowering as they start to go through the dormancy. And uh, get rid of some of the troubles, too, just kind of in general by taking a walk around. Now, I said earlier in the first hour, when the ground is frozen like this with this icy stuff, kind of stay off stuff as much as you possibly can. But you can just kind of take a general look from your sidewalks or your patios or something else on if there is potential problems just in general. So if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you want to do some cutting on some of the houseplants, you can certainly do it this time of year. This is a really good time to do it. And then you can use a rooting hormone just, you know, with the cutting, depending upon what plants you're doing. Uh, dip it in there after you make the cutting, dip it in the rooting hormone, and then put it in a potting mix for starting the plant materials. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Things like coleus, begonias, geraniums. Are, you know, I mean, even if you have some, let's say, tr- tropical-type succulents and cactus and things like that, this is a good time of year because the days are starting to get longer. And outside, as far as your woody plant material, this is the time when you want to sort of finish up doing all your pruning because really you know, in another couple of weeks, depending upon the temperatures and everything else, you're going to start to see buds expanding and the new growth beginning, whether it's flowers or whether it's foliage. You don't want to really do much pruning after that because it can cause some damage in relationship to fungus growth, and those type things. So just kind of realize that there's a lot of things that you can finish up doing and a lot of things that you can just start with. And you can start, you know, if you want to, starting some flowers, you know, some perennial-type plants inside. Personally, I don't bother doing that. I just think, you know, that's a lot of work. But many people have great success with it. But they do have grow lights. They do have bottom heat. So that, I mean, that makes a difference if you don't have those things. Just, you know, putting the seed in seed starter type mix and setting them in a window, uh, 
again, it's maybe a little bit to, we don't know when you're going to be able to stick them outside. So let's head over to Vince's yard before we take a break. Hi, Vince. Yes. Yes, Mike. Yes. Uh, I, uh, in late January, I was walking by my neighbor's house, and I noticed he threw out a bunch of grass seed all over his front yard. And I thought, well, Mike Miller must well think this guy is crazy. <laughs> But uh, I was walking there this past week, and he's got a nice bunch of grass growing in his front yard. Uh, what do you think of this? I mean, can you can you uh, throw grass out in January and February? You can, and it can be successful. But also, you know, it looks really good now because of the you know weather or whatever. But uh, whether it's going to be able to get penetrate and get down, root system established, and how long it's going to last, that's going to be another factor. So it's a little bit premature. I, you know, I like to basically do it after with a soil thermometer or when the forsythia is in bloom. That's when I like to put the grass seed out personally. But uh, there's nothing wrong with doing it if he has great success and he's done it for years. That's, you know, that's really great and wonderful, but uh, I just don't advise it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Post-Dispatch, I noticed there was an article, uh, the Missouri Botanical Garden said you can throw grass seed out in February, and about 75% of it you can expect to germinate. Right. And I thought that was really a, I never would have thought that'd be true. Yeah. So, but I mean, to do it even a month earlier where you don't know how screwy the weather's going to be, and it may be successful, it's going to be exposure, it's going to be soil types, all different kinds of factors are going to play a role in the actual success. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks, Vince. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got phone lines open back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As we all sit on the edge of our seat wanting to get outside and start doing some work, just realize that this ice and snow and whatever else this crazy stuff was, as it starts melting, it's going to make your soil really damp. So consequently, you do not want to work your soils, even on established bed spaces and things like that, when the soil is wet. And the best way to check it, if you want to, is just to kind of grab a handful of soil in the area that you're thinking about working, you know, turning over or adding materials to or anything else. Uh, and it should crumble fairly quickly. So if it stays like a big lump of mud in your hand, it's too wet. And so this is uh, something that you don't want to do. You can cause more problems than good. What happens is by turning, whether you're using a rototiller or a spade, soil that's wet and you flip it, what it does is create air pockets. And then those air pockets allow cold air, allow moisture to build up, and lots of problematic circumstances. That's why you do not want to work your soils when it's overly wet. So it's just kind of stay away from that. And this is a good time of year, though, to get a soil test done. And the soil test will really indicate lots of different things to your advantage. And especially if you use the same fertilizer for several years in a row, it may indicate that some of the you know nutrients parts of the fertilizer are actually detrimental to the plant material. So in other words, they're not really doing good. So even though 
We always think of nitrogen is really important. Sometimes an abundance of nitrogen, even for just a few days, because it becomes a gas after a few days, can do some have a bad impact on the root system of the plant material that you're you're applying it to. So let's head over to Doris's yard. Hi, Doris. Hi. Hi. How are you? This Very morning? good. Uh, I have a house plant <clears throat> that is called a little fiddler fig. And it is growing rather rapidly. I got it last August, and it's probably doubled in size. I'm wondering if this is something in the spring or when it gets warmer, is it uh, a good plant to put outside for the summer or for most of the summer? Yeah, for most, the majority of the house plants, tropicals, they can go outside in the summertime. Just don't put them directly out in the sun regardless of what variety they are, even if it's ones that are sun-tolerant. Direct sun outside after they've been inside, you can get really major sunburn on them. So just set them in a probably a part, you know, part sun, part, loca- or part shade location where the, the sun is only going to hit them in the morning and maybe okay. late in the afternoon, but not in, the let's say, the mid part of the day from like 10 o'clock Till four o'clock, uh, that's the sun is a little bit too intense. Okay, all right, that sounds good. Uh, also, I have some calla lilies that I bought last year, and I took them out of the soil in the fall. And I'm wondering what time is best to replant those. Uh, you put them. You had them outside growing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's the ground is still really cool. So I'd stay away from them. I'd probably wait until. Maybe towards the end of March would be a better oh, time to okay. do it. If you do it too early, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to kill them. It's just they're going to sit there, and you're going to be sitting wondering, why aren't they putting out any new growth? So it's all triggered okay. by soil temperatures, and until the soil temperature is warm, then there's nothing going to be happening. Okay. All right. Makes sense. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And if anybody else has any questions or concerns, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. What you need to be doing too is also if you have trees in your yard, you're probably going to notice that the fact that there are a lot of surface roots, and there's not too much you can do in relationship to the surface roots. Some trees have more surface roots than the other, but in general, what what surface roots indicate is just this is what the tree does. So even if it's a tree. Even if your soil's not overly clay, it's all trees have their roots near the surface. There are deep or taproot type things which keep them from falling over, but the feeder roots are always near the surface. That's where the absorption of nutrients and moisture occur. Then after the root system take that take those two things in, they send it up through the vascular system or the veins of the tree to the foliage or to the needles, or whatever it happens to be. And then it's they use that to make food, and then it shares it with the rest of the tree, the root system, and everything else. So just understand that surface roots, there's nothing you can do about it. Some right on the surface, what are you going to do? You don't like to look at them. Well, guess what? A ground cover is the best thing to do. You're not going to have really great success uh, trying to you know grow lawn where there's a whole lot of roots, and that's why... You see a lot. If you go to the botanical gardener stuff, a lot of the areas that they you say, well, these trees have lawn moving or growing really close to it. 
Well, you don't know how many times that they are overseeding in that situation. Let's head out now to Margaret. Hi, Margaret. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, we're having a discussion in our neighborhood about what to do with the lawns that the moles have seemed to have been digging up. <clears throat> They're very apparent, these big lumps of clay and, or grass you know, all over. Do we stomp on them? Do we um, overseed them? What can we do? Well, moles are going to be problematic unless you kill them. So there's no right. getting we- around it. So that means, and the most effective control is going to be the traps. So there's right. several different kinds of traps. I mean, controlling grubs or doing anything like that doesn't really get rid of the moles. The moles' main food is earthworms, and then consequently, the nicer yards are going to have more earthworms, so the moles are going to hang out there. And the piles of dirt that you're seeing, I mean, the tunnels that pop up, that's the feeder tunnels, but also they have a lower tunnel that goes back to their birthing den and where they go back to sleep and everything else. Well, do we stomp on them, on stomp on this to level it out? Well, you can, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're not necessarily going to come back through that ton- that specific tunnel again because they've probably eaten all the earthworms. What it is is they lay there or they sit there and they listen until they start to hear earthworms moving, and that's where they tunnel to. So to flatten them down is not really going to do all that much. Well, it's going to make our yard look better, isn't it? <laughs> but the moles are still going to be there. We're, we're, we are trying traps and all that you're talking about. It's just that they're just gone crazy. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you've got nice yards or else uh, they, the moles wouldn't be there because you only have earthworms where the yards are pretty good. If you have a sort of a horrible yard in general, you're not going to have moles because there's no earthworms there. But do we stomp down this all these mounds? Yeah, if you want to. Oh, and then put seed over them? Yeah, you could certainly do that. But what that is, the big the mounds of dirt are where the, the tunnel, the lower tunnel, they've been digging and it's like mm-hmm. a foot down or so, and they can't raise that area like they can with the surface tunnels. So they push the soil up, and that's what you're seeing is piles mm-hmm. from the soils down. So you can yeah. you know, level that out for sure. Well, okay. I appreciate your help. Thank you very much. Sure. It's a, it's a complicated circumstance. There's no getting around it. And now let's yes, go yes. from Margaret over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt. Hey. How are you? Very good. How are you? Uh, pretty good. So I have, um, I, I should preface this by saying I'm a terrible gardener and I know nothing about plants. But I bought this house a couple years ago, and along the back of my property line, I have these kind of skinny conifer trees. My neighbor calls them green giants. Um, I don't, but I don't know what they are. But uh, this winter, three of them, right? I, I have fifteen of them on the back edge of the property. They're kind of like a uh, a block or a fence, if you will. Right. And the three right in the center have turned brown and died this winter. And I don't know what could be causing it. And I would like the others not to die. Well, generally, these are arborvitae, and it's a special variety of arborvitae that's supposed to grow relatively fast and get larger than the arborvitae that historically we've been growing here. 
And so consequently, if the three that have died and they're if they're right next to each other, that usually indicates that that particular location either is in a low spot or there's when they were planted, they weren't planted high enough. And consequently, the root systems have drowned, and that's why they've died. It is a low spot. Right. It is kind of like a, yeah, yeah. So, and there's nothing you can do. I mean, you can try to plant them much higher, but uh, it's probably, you know, it's going to be just a roll of the dice whether it's going to be adequate to be planted high enough. But they cannot take a wet soil circumstance whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, and it has been so wet out there this winter. Oh. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that guarantees, uh, you know, failure, let's put it that way. Okay. Well, um, not good news, but uh, thanks, and uh, I'm enjoying the show. Well, thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. But, I mean, there are certain things that can handle the wet soils, but they're not going to match the arborvitae. There's a type of uh, holly called inkberry, which grows in the swampy areas, but it's never going to get as big as the inkberries. And so you might think about heading to your favorite garden center, telling me you got a, a lower wet spot, and you're trying to create a barrier and see what things that they may recommend. All right. Thanks. Sure. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Mike Miller, KMY's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, let's head over to Jane's yard. Jane, how are you today? Fine, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a similar uh, question as the lady before about the moles. Is there a difference between moles and voles? Completely different. The voles and, generally are not diggers. They find holes and stuff. So in other words, under we had voles when I was a kid growing up in Ellisville, and they lived underneath our front porch. And because there was kind of a tunnel underneath there, it was, real, it was a new home, and, the, you know, the, the builder didn't pack the soil around the porch well enough. So, and then they come out of the hole, and then they go around and eat. They don't tunnel. But they can use tunnels of moles, but for the most part, they're not diggers themselves. Okay. So I have a iris garden in the back of my yard that backs up to a farm field that goes from corn to soybeans annually. And I have holes all through my iris garden just in the last couple of years. Holes in the ground or holes on your iris foliage? In the ground. Okay. So then you've probably got, uh, I mean, voles just don't dig for the most part. So uh, it may be that. It may be something that's just digging. I mean, skunks will dig and eat root systems of iris and things like that. So to know which exact animal that is, is a little bit difficult. Yeah. I know um, I put a few new plants in last summer, spring, and I would plant and then I'd come back and the plant had been dug up and all the roots were eaten. Right. And so that's probably, my guess is, is not really a, you know, a vole or a mole. It's some other kind of wildlife. Okay. All right. Well, I have holes, and I tried treating for voles because I have a dog that's caught a couple, and they're really gross and ugly, and they're <laughs> tiny, and they got webbed feet. Um, but uh, I'm going to keep working at it. Yep. I still get my irises, and they're still beautiful, but it's just kind of annoying. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Jane. All right. 
Thank you. Yep. And now let's head over to Marilyn Jard. Hi, Marilyn. Hey, Mike. Hi. So I have to move a peony uh, to a sunnier location. Uh, could you tell me when and how I should do that? Basically, get it done before the new growth begins. So uh, if you know right where it is, you know where all the stems are, just dig much, you know, uh, let's say dig a bigger lump of the root system out. It's, you know, within the next probably, let's say, before mid-March or so. And then, you know, leave it sit above the ground for a day or two. That helps the root system to kind of soften a little bit and then plant it in the new location. Mid-March. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. And even if the foliage has already started to come up, go ahead and dig it up. Just go beyond where you see any kind of leaves come, you know, coming up out of the ground. And uh, an inch or two all the way around. And you want to go about uh, probably six or eight inches deep at least. Okay. Because the um, peony that I have that's in a sunnier location, it is already coming up. Okay. So I don't know. Um, the other one's further out. I can't just look out and see what's going on out there. But um, all right. Yeah, get it done Thanks as soon as, you know, get it done really soon. Okay, thanks. Yep, and now, Debbie, how are you today? Hi, Hi Mike, Hi. I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. Um, I have a question. I need your expert advice. Uh, Debbie, you're gone? That needs to come down through the tornado that hit Amazon. We're having to take down a 120-year-old barn. And in that place, I've always thought of having a greenhouse, but now I have a place to put one. So I was wondering if there, you have any resources, if you could, about, you know, just where to start. This. You know, of course, we've looked on the Internet for right. there's so many options. Well, there's, so, a, there's, anyway. a, there's a company locally that sells greenhouses. I'd contact them. They're called Hummert, H-U-M-M-E-R-T-S, Hummert International, and see what kind of advice they could help you with. Oh, and so are they in St. Louis somewhere, you think? Yeah, they are. I mean, they have their headquarters here. It's a it's a very reputable company. So, oh, uh, awesome. I would like to do something local, too. That's awesome. Yeah, and so just uh-huh. get their advice on how, you know, how to start with the whole procedure. And Chris yes. and uh, Joe, we're not going to be able to get to you today because we're just about out of time. Everybody get outside and enjoy the sunlight. Boy, oh, boy, and just be careful. If you're in the shadows or on the north side of any kind of house or any kind of building or anything, it's still going to be slippery as heck. And especially as the ice starts to melt a little bit, that even makes it more slippery, which seems impossible to be slipperier than slippery. But uh, and just, uh, st- you know, stay off your sidewalks or stay, uh, you know, stay on the sidewalks if you can. Walking on your yard could do some damage to your lawn or to your perennials if it's in a bed space or something like that. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.